Section 25 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Chiao Xuqing, translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie, Chapter 37, Part 2. When Jiren, for we will now come to her, perceived Bao Yu, perused the note, and walked off in a great fury, along with Chui Mo, she was quite at a loss what to make of it. Subsequently, she also saw the matrons on duty at the back gate bring two pots of begonias. Jiren inquired of them where they came from. The women explained to her all about them. As soon as Jiren heard their reply, she at once desired them to put the flowers in their proper places and asked them to sit down in the lower rooms. She then entered the house and weighing six maids of silver, she wrapped it up properly and fetching besides three hundred cash. She came over and handed both the amounts to the two matrons. This silver, she said, is a present for the boys who carried the flowers and these cash are for you to buy yourselves a cup of tea with. The women rose to their feet in such high glee that their eyebrows dilated and their eyes smiled. But though they waxed eloquent in the expression of their deep gratitude, they would not accept the money. It was only after they had perceived how obstinate Jiren was in not taking it back that they at last volunteered to keep it. Are there, Jiren then inquired, any servant boys on duty outside the back gate? There are four of them every day, answered one of the matrons. They are put there with the sole idea of attending to any orders that might be given them from inside. But, miss, if you have anything to order them to do, you will go and deliver your message. What orders can I have to give them? Jiren laughed. Mr. Bao, our master Secundus, was purposing to send someone today to the young Marquis' house to take something over to Miss Shi. But you come at an opportune moment, so you might, on your way out, tell the servant boys at the back gates to hire a carriage, and on this return you can come here and get the money. But don't let them rush recklessly against people in the front part of the compound. The matrons signified their obedience and took their leave. Jiayun retraced her steps into the house to fetch a tray in which to place the presents intended for Xi Xiangyun, but she discovered the shelf for trays empty. Upon turning round, however, she caught sight of Qing Wen, Qiu Wen, She Yue, and the other girls seated together, busy with their needlework. Where is the white conilian tray with twisted threads gone to? Jiren asked. At this question, one looked at the one, and the other stared at the other, but none of them could remember anything about it. After a protracted lapse of time, Ching Wen smiled. It was taken to Miss Tertius with a present of lye cheese, she rejoined, and it hasn't as yet been returned. There are plenty of articles, Jiren remarked, for sending over things on ordinary occasions. And do you deliberately go and carry this off? 
didn't I maintain the same thing? Ching Wen retorted, but so well did this tray match with the fresh lychees it contained, that when I took it over, Miss Tan Chen herself noticed the fact. How splendid, she said, and lo, putting even the tray by, she never had it brought over. But look, hasn't the pair of beaded vases, which stood on the very top of that shelf, been fetched as yet? The mention of these vases, Chiu Wen laughed, reminds me again of a funny incident. Whenever our Miss Bao Yu's filial piety is aroused, he shows himself filial over and above the highest degree. The other day he espied the olea flowers in the park, and he plucked two twigs. His original idea was to place them in a vase for himself, but a sudden thought struck him. These are flowers, he mused, which have newly opened in our garden, so how can I presume to be the first to enjoin them? And actually, taking down that pair of vases, he filled them with water with his own hands, put the flowers in, and calling a servant to carry them. He, in person, took one of the vases into Daoja Lady Jars, and then took the other to Madame Wang's. But as it happens, even his attendants reap some benefits when once his filial feelings are stirred up. As luck would have it, the one who carried the vases over on that day was myself. The sight of these flowers so enchanted our venerable lady that there was nothing that she wouldn't do. Bao Yu, she said to everyone she met, is the one, after all, who shows me much attention. So much so that he has even thought of bringing me a twig of flowers. And yet the others bear me a grouch on account of the love that I lavish on him. Our venerable mistress, you all know very well, has never had much to say to me. I have all along not been much of a favorite in the old lady's eyes. But on that occasion, she verily directed someone to give me several hundreds of cash. I was to be pitied, she observed, for being born with a weak physique. This was indeed an unforeseen piece of good luck. The several hundreds of cash are a mere trifle, but what's not easy to get is this sort of honor. After that, we went over into Madame Wang's. Madame Wang was, at the time, with Our Lady Secunda, Mrs. Chiao, and a whole lot of people. Turning the bosses topsy-turvy, trying to find some colored clothes her ladyship had worn long ago in her youth, so as to give them to someone or other. Who it was, I don't know. But the moment she saw us, she did not even think of searching for any clothes, but got lost in admiration for the flowers. Our Lady Secunda was also standing by, and she made spot of the matter. She extolled our master Bao for his filial piety and for his knowledge of right and wrong, and what with what was true and what wasn't. She came out with two cup loads of compliments. These things spoken in the presence of the whole company so added to Madame Wang's luster and sealed everyone's mouth that her ladyship was more and more filled with gratification and she gave me two ready-made clothes as a present. These two are of no consequence, one way or another. We get some every year, 
but nothing can come up to this sort of lucky chance. Pei, Ching Wen ejaculated with a significant smile. You are indeed a mean thing, who has seen nothing of the world. She gave the good ones to others, and the refuse to you. And do you still pet on all this side? No matter whether what she gave me was refuse or not, Chuwen protested, it's, after all, an act of bounty on the part of her ladyship. Had it been myself, Ching Wen pursued, I would, at once, have refused them. It wouldn't have mattered if she had given me what had been left by someone else. But we all stand on an equal footing in these rooms, and is there anyone, forsooth, so much the more exalted or honourable than the other, as to justify her taking what is good and bestowing it upon her and giving me what is left? I had rather not take them. I might have had to give offence to Madame Wang, but I wouldn't have put up with such a slight. To whom did she give any in this room? Chuwen vehemently inquired. I was unwell and went home for several days, so that I am not aware to whom any were given. Dear sister, do tell me who it is so that I may know. Were I to tell you, Ching Wen rejoined, is it likely that you would return them at this hour to Madame Wang? What nonsense, Chiu Wen laughed. Ever since I've heard about it, I've been delighted and happy. No matter if she even bestowed upon me what remained from anything given to a dog in these rooms. I would have been thankful for her ladyship's kindness. I wouldn't have worried my mind with anything else. After listening to her, everybody laughed. Doesn't she know how to cheer in fine style? They ejaculated unanimously. For rarent they given to that foreign spotted pug dog? You lot of filthy-tongued creatures. Jaren laughed. When you've got nothing to do, you make me the scapegoat to crack your jokes and poke your fun at. But what kind of death will, I wonder, each of you have? Was it really you, sister, who got them? Chu Wen asked with a smile. I assure you, I had no idea about it. I tender you my apologies. You might be a little less domineering, Jiren remarked smilingly. The thing now is, who of you will go and fetch the tray? The vases too, Xie Yue suggested, must be got back when there's any time to spare. For there is nothing to say about our venerable mistress' quarters. But Madame Wang's apartments teem with people and many hands. The rest are all right. But Mrs. Zhao and all that company will, when they see that the vase hails from these rooms, surely again foster evil designs, and they won't feel happy until they've done all they can to spoil it. Besides, Madame Wang doesn't trouble herself about such things, so had we not as well bring it over a moment sooner? Hearing this, Ching Wen threw down her needlework. What you say is perfectly right, she assented, so you'd better let me go and fetch it. Oh, after all, go for it, Chuwen cried. You can go and get that tray of yours. You should let me once go for something, Ching Wen pleaded. 
whenever any lucky chance has turned up, you've invariably grabbed it. And can it be that you won't let me have a single turn? Altogether, Xie Yue said laughingly, that girl Chiu-wen got a few clothes just once. Can such a lucky coincidence present itself again today, that you two should find them engaged in searching for clothes? Or bet I mean come across any clothes, Ching-wen rejoined with a sardonic smile. Our Madame Wang may notice how diligent I am, and apportion me a couple of tails out of her public expenses. There's no say, continuing. Don't you people, she laughed, try and play your pranks with me? For is there anything that I don't tweet? As she spoke, she ran outside. Chu-wen, too, left the room in her company, but she repaired to Tan Chen's quarters and fetched the tray. Zheren then got everything ready, calling an old nurse attached to the same place as herself, Song by name. Just go first and wash. Comb your hair and put on your out-of-door clothes, she said to her, and then come back as I want to send you at once with a present to Miss Xie. Miss urged the nurse Song, just give me what you have, and if you have any message, tell it me, so that when I've tidied myself, I may go straight away. Jaren, at this proposal, brought two small twisted wire boxes, and opening first the one in which were two kinds of fresh fruits, consisting of caltrips and chicken head fruit, and afterwards uncovering the other, containing a tray with new cakes made of chestnut powder and steamed in sugar scented with the olea. All these fresh fruits are newly plucked this year from our own garden, she observed. Our Mr. Secundus sends them to Miss Shi to taste. The other day, too, she was quite taken with this convenient tray, so let her keep it for her use. In this silk bag, she'll find the work which she asked me some time ago to do for her. Tell her that she mustn't despise it for its coarseness, but make the best of it and turn it to some account. Present respects to her from our part, and inquire after her health on behalf of Mr. Bao Yu. That will be all there is to say. Has Mr. Bao, I wonder, anything more for me to tell her? The nurse soon added, Miss, do go and inquire, so that on my return, he mayn't again say that I forgot. It was just now, Jiren consequently asked Chu Wen, over there in Miss Tertius' rooms, wasn't he? They were all assembled there, deliberating about starting some poetical society or other, Chu Wen explained, and they all wrote verses too, but I fancy he's got no message to give you, so you might as well start. After this assurance, Nurse Song forthwith took the things and quitted the apartment. When she had changed her clothes and arranged her hair, Jerenford enjoined them to go by the back door, where there was a servant boy waiting with a curricle. Nurse Song thereupon set out on her errand, but we will leave her for the present. In a little time, Bao Yu came back. After first cursorily glancing at the begonias for a time, he walked into his rooms, 
and explained to Zheren all about the poetical society they had managed to establish. Zheren then told him that she had sent the nurse Song along with some things to Xi Xiangyun. As soon as Pao Yu heard this, he clapped his hands. I forgot all about her, he cried. I knew very well that I had something to attend to, but I couldn't remember what it was. Luckily, you alluded to her. I was just meaning to ask her to come. For what fun would there be in this poetical society without her? Is this of any serious import? Jiren reasoned with him. It's all for the mere sake of recreation. She's not, however, able to go about at her own free will as you people do, nor can she at home have her own way. When you therefore let her know, it won't again rest with her, however willing she may be to avail herself of your invitation. And if she can't come, she will long and crave to be with you all. So isn't it better that you shouldn't be the means of making her unhappy? Never mind, responded Bao Yu. I'll tell our venerable senior to dispatch someone to bring her over. But in the middle of their conversation, Nurse Song returned already from her mission and expressed to him Xiang Yun's acknowledgement and to Jiren her thanks for the trouble. She also inquired, the nurse proceeded, what you, Master Secundus, were up to. And I told her that you had started some poetical club or other with the young ladies and that you were engaged in writing verses. Miss Xi wondered why it was, if you were writing verses, that you didn't even mention anything to her, and she was extremely distressed about it. Pao Yu, at these words, turned himself round and betook himself immediately into his grandmother's apartments, where he did all that lay in his power to urge her to the pew servants to go and fetch her. It's too late today, Dr. Lady Zhang answered. He'll go tomorrow, as soon as it's daylight. Pao Yu had no other cause but to accede to her wishes. He, however, retraced his steps back to his room with a heavy heart. On the morrow, at early dawn, he paid another visit to old lady Jia and brought pressure to bear on her until she sent someone for her. Soon after midday, Xi Xiangyun arrived. Pao Yu felt at length much relieved in his mind. Upon meeting her, he recounted to her all that had taken place from beginning to end. His purpose was likewise to let her see the poetical composition. But Li Wen and the others remonstrated. Don't, they said, allow her to see them. First, tell her the rhymes and number of feet, and as she comes late, she should, as a first step, pay a penalty by conforming to the task we had to do. Should what she writes be good, then she can readily be admitted as a member of the society. But if not good, she should be further punished by being made to stand a treat, after which we can decide what's to be done. You've forgotten to ask me round, Xiang Yun laughed. And I should, after all, find you people. But produce the meter, for though I don't excel in versifying, I shall exert myself to do the best I can 
so as to get rid of every slur. If you will admit me into the club, I shall be even willing to sweep the floors and burn the incense. When they all saw how full of fun she was, they felt more than ever delighted with her, and they reproached themselves for having somehow or other managed to forget her on the previous day. But they lost no time in telling her the meter of the verses. Si Xuan Yun was inwardly in ecstasies, so much so that she could not wait to beat the tattoo and effect any alterations. But having succeeded while conversing with her cousins in devising a stanza in her mind, she promptly inscribed it on the first piece of paper that came to hand. I have, she remarked, with a precursory smile, stuck to the meter and written two stanzas. Whether they be good or bad, I cannot say, or have kept in view was to simply comply with your wishes. So speaking, she handed her paper to the company. We thought our four stanzas, they observed, had so thoroughly exhausted everything that could be imagined on the subject that another stanza was out of the question. And there you've devised a couple more? How could there be so much to say? These must be mere repetitions of our own sentiments. While bandying words, they perused her two stanzas. They found this to be their burden. Number one. The fairies yesterday came down within the city gates, and like those gems sown in the grassy field, planted one pot. How clear it is that the goddess of frost is fond of cold. It is no question of a pretty girl bent upon death. Where does the snow, which comes in gloomy weather, issue from? The drops of rain increase the prints left from the previous night. How the flowers rejoice that buds are not weary of song. But are they ever left to spend in peace a day or night? Number two. The Hounzi covered steps lead to the creeper-laden door. How fit to plant but a corner of walls. How fit for pots. The flowers so release purity that they can't find a mate. Easy noctum snaps the soul of sorrow-wasted men. The tears, which from the jade-like candle drip, dry in the wind. The crystal-like portier, asunder rends Selenius rays. Their private feelings to the moon goddess they longed to tell. But gone, alas, is the luster she shed on the empty court. Every line filled them with wonder and admiration. What they read, they praised. This, they exclaimed with one consent, is not writing verses on the begonia for no purpose. We must really start a begonia society. Tomorrow, Xi Xiangyun proposed, first find me by making me stand a treat and letting me be the first to convene a meeting. May I? This would be far better, they all assented. So producing all the verses composed the previous day, they submitted them to her for criticism. In the evening, Xiang Yun came at the invitation of Bao Chai to the Hang Wu Yuan to put up with her for the night. By lamplight, Xiang Yun consulted with her how she was to play the hostess and fix upon the themes. But 
after lending a patient ear to all her proposals for a long time pao chai thought them so unsuitable for the occasion that turning towards her she raised objections if you want she said to hold a meeting you have to pay the piper and i'll bet it's for mere fun you have to make every possible provision for while consulting your own interests you must guard against giving umbrage to people in that case everyone will afterwards be happy and contented you can't for nothing too in your own home and the whole lump sum of those few dows you draw each month are not sufficient for your own wants and do you now also wish to burden yourself with this useless sort of thing why if your aunt gets wind of it won't she be more incensed with you than ever what's more even though you might fork out all the money you can call your own to bear the outlay of this entertainment with it won't be anything like enough and can it possibly be pray that you would go home for the express purpose of requisitioning the necessary funds or will you perchance ask for some from in here this long tirade had the effect of bringing the true facts of the case to shang yun's notice and she began to waver in a state of uncertainty i have already fixed upon a plan in my mind pao chai resumed there is an assistant in our pawn shop from whose family farm come some splendid crabs some time back he sent us a few as a present and now starting from our venerable senior and including the inmates of the upper quarters most of them are quite in love with crabs it was only the other day that my mother mentioned that she intended inviting our worthy ancestor into the garden to look at the oleo flowers and partake of crabs but she has had her hands so full that she hasn't as yet asked her round so just you now drop the poetical beating and invite the whole crowd to a show and if we wait until they go won't we be able to indite as many poems as we like but let me speak to my brother and ask him to let us have several baskets of the fattest and largest crabs he can get and to also go to some shop and fetch several jars of luscious wine and if we then lay out four or five tables with plates full of refreshments won't we save trouble and all have a jolly time as well as soon as Xiang yun heard the alternative proposed by bao chai she felt her heart throb with gratitude and in most profuse terms she praised her for her forethought the proposal i've made bao chai pursued smilingly is prompted entirely by my sincere feelings for you so whatever you do don't be touchy and imagine that i look down upon you for in that case we too will have been good friends all in vain but if you won't give way to suspicion i'll be able to tell them at once to go and get things ready my dear cousin eagerly rejoined Xiang yun a smile on her lips if you say these things it's you who treat me with suspicion for no matter how foolish a person i may be as not to even know what's good and bad i'm still a human being did i not regard you cousin in the same light as my own very sister i wouldn't last time have had any wish or inclination to disclose to you every bit of those troubles which ordinarily 
fall to my share at home. After listening to these assurances, Bao Chai summoned a matron and bade her go out and tell her master, Xue Peng, to procure a few hampers of crabs of the same kind as those which were sent on the previous occasion. Our venerable senior, she said, and Aunt Wang are asked to come tomorrow after their meal and admire the olea flowers. So mind, impress upon your master to please not forget, as I've already today issued the invitations. The matron walked out of the garden and distinctly delivered the message, but on her return she brought no reply. During this while, Bao Chai continued her conversation with Xiang Yun. The themes for the verses, she advised her, mustn't also be too out of the way. Just search the works of old writers, and where will you find any eccentric and peculiar subjects, or any extra difficult meter? If the subject be too much out of the way, and the meter too difficult, one cannot get good verses. In a word, we are a mean lot, and our verses are certain, I fear, to consist of mere repetitions. Nor is it advisable for us to aim at excessive originality. The first thing for us to do is to have our ideas clear, as our language will then not be commonplace. In fact, this sort of thing is no vital matter. Spinning and needlework are, in a word, the legitimate duties of you and me. Yet, if we can at any time afford the leisure, it's only right and proper that we should take some book that will benefit both body and mind, and read a few chapters out of it. Xiang Yun simply signified her assent. I'm now cogitating in my mind, she then lovingly remarked, that as the verses we wrote yesterday treated of begonias, we should, I think, compose on this occasion some on chrysanthemums. Huh? What do you say? Chrysanthemums are in season, Bao Chai replied. The only objection to them is that too many writers of old have made them the subject of their poems. I also think so, Xiang Yun added, so that, I fear, we shall only be following in their footsteps. After some reflection, Bao Chai exclaimed, I feel upon something. If we take, for the present instance, the chrysanthemums as a secondary term, and man as the primary, we can, after all, select several themes but they must all consist of two characters, the one an empty word, the other a full one. The full word might be chrysanthemums, while for the empty one, we might employ some word in general use. In this manner, we shall on one hand sing the chrysanthemum, and on the other compose verses on the theme. And as old writers have not written much in this style, it will be impossible for us to drift into the groove of their ideas. Thus, in versifying on the scenery and in singing the objects, we will in both respects combine originality with liberality of thought. This is all very well, smiled Xiang Yun. The only thing is what kind of empty words will, I wonder, be best to use. Just you first think of one and let me see. Bao Chai plunged in thought for a time after which she laughingly remarked, Dream of chrysanthemums is good. It's positively good, Xiang Yun smiled. I've also got one, the chrysanthemum shadow. Would that do? 
Well enough, Bao Chai answered. The only objection is that people have written on it. Yet if the themes are to be many, we might throw this in. I've got another one too. Be quick and tell it, Cheng Yun urged. What do you say to ask the chrysanthemums? Bao Chai observed. Cheng Yun clapped her hand on the table. Capital, she cried. I thought of one also. She then quickly continued. It is search for chrysanthemums. What's your idea about it? Bao Chai thought that too would do very well. Let's choose ten of them first, she next proposed, and afterwards note them down. While talking, they rubbed the ink and moistened the pens. These preparations over, Xiang Yun began to write, while Bao Chai enumerated the themes. In a short time, they got ten of them. Ten don't form a set, Xiang Yun went on to smilingly suggest, after reading them over, we'd better complete them by raising their number to twelve. They'll then also be on the same footing as people's pictures and books. Hearing this proposal, Bao Chai devised another couple of themes, thus bringing them to a dozen. Well, since we've got so far, she pursued, let's go one step further and copy them out in their proper order, putting those that are first, first, and those that come last, last. It would be still better like that, Xiang Yun acquiesced, as we'll be able to make up a chrysanthemum book. The first stanza should be longing for chrysanthemums, Bao Chai said, and as one cannot get them by wishing, and has in consequence to search for them, the second should be searching for chrysanthemums. After due search, one finds them and plants them, so the third must be planting chrysanthemums. After they have been planted, they blossom, and one faces them and enjoins them. So the fourth should be facing the chrysanthemums. By facing them, one derives such excessive delight that one plucks them and brings them in and puts them in vases for one's own delectation. So the fifth must be placing chrysanthemums in vases. If no verses are sung in their praise, after they've been placed in vases, it's tantamount to seeing no point of beauty in chrysanthemums. So, the sixth must be singing about chrysanthemums. After making them the burden of one's song, one can't help representing them in pictures. The seventh place should therefore be considered to drawing chrysanthemums. Seeing that in spite of all the labor bestowed on the drawing of chrysanthemums, the fine traits there may be about them are not yet, in fact, apparent. One impulsively tries to find them out by inquiries. So the eighth should be asking the chrysanthemums. As any perception which the chrysanthemums might display in fattening the question sets would have to make the inquirer immoderately happy, the ninth must be pinning the chrysanthemums in the hair. And as after everything has been accomplished, that comes within the sphere of man, there will remain still some chrysanthemums about which something could be written. Two stanzas on the shadow of the chrysanthemums and a dream about chrysanthemums must be taken on as numbers 10 and 11. While the last section should be the withering of the chrysanthemums, so as to bring to a close the sentiments expressed in the foregoing subjects. In this wise, 
the fine scenery and fine doings of the third part of autumn will both alike be included in our themes Sheng Yun signified her approval and taking the list she copied it out clean but after once more passing her eye over it she went on to inquire what rhymes should be determined upon i do not as a rule like hard and fast rhymes Bao Chai retorted it's evident enough that we can have good verses without them so what's the use of any rhymes to shackle us don't let us imitate that mean lot of people let's simply choose our subjects and pay no notice to rhymes our main object is to see whether we cannot by chance hit upon some well-written lines for the sake of fun it isn't to make this the means of subjecting people to perplexities what you say is perfectly right Shen Yun observed in this manner our poetical composition will improve one step higher but we only muster five members and there are here twelve themes is it likely that each one of us will have to indict verses on all twelve that would be far too hard on the members Bao Chai rejoined but let's copy out the themes clean for lines with seven words will have to be written on every one and stick them tomorrow on the wall for general perusal each member can write on the subject which may be most in his or her line those with any ability may choose all twelve while those with none may only limit themselves to one stanza both will do those however who will show high mental capacity combined with quickness will be held the best but anyone who shall have completed all twelve themes won't be permitted to hasten and begin over again we'll have to find such a one and finish yes that will do assented Xiang Yun. but after settling everything satisfactorily they extinguished the lamp and went to bed reader do you want to know what subsequently took place if you do then listen to what is contained in the way of explanation in the following chapter. End of section 25